0: Welcome to Political Coffee, your one-hour thought-provoking news and commentary as you begin your day. And now, here's your host, Jeff Kroffs. Okay, there we go.
1: Now I press the button. (laughs) Oh, you know, I get so wound up in what I want to talk about. Sometimes I just forget to press that button. Thank you, Phil, for reminding me. Anyway, welcome, everybody, to uh, Political Coffee. We've got a great show for you today because... The show includes an interview with George Carrillo who is a former Democrat candidate for governor here in Oregon. He's also a former Marine combat Marine from Afghanistan. He heads up a great organization called Latino Built here in Oregon. It's a Business associate, trade association for Latino contractors. It was founded in 2019. It's a 501c6 nonprofit. Its primary purpose is to support and empower Latino owned businesses in construction. Now, what's interesting is we're going to have a conversation with George about how he, he went from being a Marine to being in the world of politics, but lobbying at the legislature. And you might be interested to know a particular bill that they oppose, Senate bill, in front of the Oregon Senate right now, that the trade unions are supporting. In fact, it's their bill. And you'll hear from George just to exactly why they oppose it. So that's at the bottom of the hour. There's some other things going on, including uh, this whole business about banks and regional banks and everything that's happening there we just got the CPI numbers those are the uh, inflation numbers for us the consumers uh there were about as expected the market liked that uh popped up the the futures did the banking business has really put a a big big damper on everything going on here now there's a piece about this uh, in the Federalist today, it's called the Silicon, Silicon Valley Bank Bailout is the latest reason the Uniparty needs to go. Now, let's just stop here for a moment. Everybody's is is saying it's not a bailout. It is a bailout, folks. It's a bailout to, in fact, On Sunday on uh, Meet the Press, a observer, a lady I've never heard of, but she's apparently one of these well-known and well-liked financial watchers. She was on uh, Meet the Press. And she said that Silicon Valley Bank was the ATM machine for the Democrats. Okay, lots being written about this. And I said this over the weekend, and I said it on Friday. You're going to see the phone lines were burning up back to Congress and back to the White House by the biggest investors in this bank. Now, the depositors now... It used to be it was $250,000, right? If you had $250,000, you are quote unquote protected by the FDIC, which has $125 billion sitting there in reserve, which are fees that the banks pay into the FDIC system. And guess who pays those fees? You and I pay them as as their fees we pay to the bank. So they raise our fees. Now, Silicon Valley Bank on Friday alone had $48 billion in withdrawals. This is not the scariest thing. And the reason that we've had the regional banks take such a big hit, and you need to know this, I did not see this chart until I saw it on Steve Bannon's afternoon show, The War Room. And I'll get to that in, in a moment, folks. And there's, there's a reason I'm, I'm talking about this because this story is not gonna go away. And it is absolutely going to affect Oregon businesses and then we'll talk with George Carrillo about that and how it affects Latino businesses here in Oregon. But here, here's the reality, folks. The chart of unrealized losses is stunning to see how bad it is today compared to 2008. Now, what are unrealized losses? Well, what we've learned out of all of this with Silicon Valley Bank and with Signature Bank and now several others is that the regulators weren't paying attention to them because the unrealized losses that Silicon Valley Bank had to fund became real. They were on the books as unrealized losses. What were they? They were bonds that all of the banks bought. And I'm telling you the biggest one right now is Bank of America has the largest portfolio of these government bonds that now have to be sold at a huge loss. Why? To cover withdrawals. The high interest rates make these bonds worthless. That's why Silicon Valley Bank took a $2 billion hit on their bond portfolio portfolio well the unrealized losses that's what this is these are all of these banks that are holding these federal bonds okay all of them these banks are holding them they haven't sold them but they are big time underwater folks the chart that and I forget who it was um, it, it it was Steve Cortez actually has this chart. Steve Cortez had this chart, and he and he's from both the banking and investment community, as is Steve Bannon, by the way. The chart of unrealized losses, all you know, a picture's worth a thousand words, right? It is so true. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, this picture is as ugly as anything you've ever seen because it shows the years in which we've had unrealized losses in times past. And they are, the 2008 whack we got with mortgage-backed securities and all the fraud that that was is nothing compared to the unrealized losses right now that these banks have. Folks, it far exceeds the total amount of money the FDIC has. Total amount of money. And if another bank or two fail because of this, there's no money there to insure you. Did you know that? Oh, and by the way, according to Steve Bannon and Steve Cortez, the government did not have to shut down Silicon Valley Bank or Signature Bank. By the way, you know who did it? It wasn't the FDA. It wasn't the feds. It wasn't the Treasury Department. No. Wasn't the Federal Reserve, which is supposed to be looking over the shoulder of these people? No, you know who did it? California regulators. California banking regulators shut them down. Now, there's a whole nefarious background to this, and I'm not going to get into it today, but it involves Gavin Newsom as the governor, it involves FTX and crypto. That involves the Chinese. That involves the CIA. That involves the cartels. It is so deep. But here's the thing that Steve Cortez and Steve Bannon pointed out. Is the investors in this bank could have done a what's called a facility. Now, I don't begin to understand this. They do. they're They're from that world. This could have been handled without having to go to the FDIC. This would have been handled, could have been handled, on the private side. Now, Vivek Ramashwamy, and I'm looking at the Epoch News story here. You know, he's a a high-tech guy. Uh, You see him often on Fox Business. He says that they should have been allowed. Silicon Valley Bank should have been allowed to fail. Well, the here's the problem. It's It's what's called human nature. If something like this fails, then everybody, and this is what's been happening, everybody rushes to their bank and you get a bank run. They take more money out than the bank has and the bank doesn't have as much money. Why? Because they do fractional reserve banking. If you put a dollar in your savings account at a bank, it's insured by FDIC, but they only keep 10% of it in reserve. They loan out the other 90%. It's called fractional reserve banking. And it works until you get a bank run. Now, that's why it was revealed, even though they tried to keep it quiet, that Arizona Senator Mark Kelly, the anti-gun guy, he decided, well, he said that they should stop social media First Amendment speaking about taking your money out of a bank. So much for the First Amendment, hmm? This is why this is important. Should we let banks fail? Especially when we find out, especially when we find out that in fact, it is bailing out the biggest billionaires. Now, Joe Biden is proposing billionaire taxes specifically What do you think the odds are that in an administration that just bailed out Silicon Valley billionaires that give most of their money to Democrats, what do you think the odds are that these Democrat billionaires wouldn't make sure that any new taxes passed by the U.S. Congress that Joe Biden's got in his budget that any of them, apparently 33 of them, that there wouldn't be all of these kinds of loopholes. They always protect their own. If you missed it last night, by the way, you missed um, Laura Ingram's uh, long intro about how the billionaires always get protected. And folks, this is both parties. This is not just a Democrat problem. It's a both party problem. Back in a moment. It's 6.20. George Carrillo interview coming up live. Bottom of the hour. You don't want to miss it. A Democrat who ran for governor in Oregon. Back in a moment.
0: Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp.
1: 22 minutes past the top of the hour. Corby writes an email, by the way. And if you want to send me an email, I will do my best to read it on the air. And you can send it to Jeff at 1220.am or jeff at kslm.news. Corby writes this about banks. The banking system situation is right on schedule as predicted. It's part of the agenda to roll out central bank digital currency then have a one-world digital currency to better control you and I. Uh, Amen to that. This is what worries me. This is why they're going to try to kill crypto. Which might have been maybe kind of what was behind the collapse of FTX and some other cryptos. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? By the way. Uh speaking of that, where is it here? <laughs> Talking about control, and thank you, I think it was GL that sent me uh, the piece about a, it's a Breitbart story. The FOIA request uncovers the FBI's effort to get hospitalized Americans to forfeit their Second Amendment rights. Freedom of information, this is a Washington Examiner story. Gun owners of America did a FOIA. And what they found is that the FBI was secretly coordinating with hospitals and medical centers to strip US citizens of their rights to own, buy, or even use firearms. Not good. What is good is if you're thinking about doing some remodeling in your home Maybe a kitchen, maybe a bathroom. You should talk to Eric Azer, Righteous Renovations. Check out his website, RighteousRenovations.com. He's a man of faith who lives it in how he interacts with you. And you'll see that for yourself if you go to his website, RighteousRenovations.com. You look at some of these great before and after photos of some of the work that he's done, including tile work and some incredible showers, but also read the very satisfied customer testimonials. Eric Azer. RighteousRenovations.com. Um, but uh, where was that? Who who sent that to me? There is a. There is a piece um, of Oregon Firearms Federation. I sent out an email yesterday, and it is about how they decided to file a complaint against justice, Oregon Court of Appeals justice, Jim Egan, the guy from Albany, former Marine, a guy I know, who said in his rant in a Court of Appeals case that anyone who supports the Second Amendment is racist, anti-Semitic, and white supremacist. Then there's a link to the story, and I'll have that up there. This had to do with this Columbia County ruling. They write, Egan's outrageous and hate-filled rants against gun owners was perfectly typical of leftist extremists, but coming from a sitting judge was truly chilling. There is no possible way we can hope for a fair ruling in the Measure 114 case, state case, if Egan is on the bench when the case is heard. After we reported Egan's bizarre and outrageous outburst, we heard from many who wanted us to file a complaint against them. So they did. They filed one. And I'll have a link to that also. The Judicial Fitness Commission. Now, they reached out to the Republican minority offices in the House and the Senate here in the Oregon Legislature. Okay. We want, they ask them to join in the complaint against Jim Egan. Neither Tim Canope, who leads the Republicans in the Senate, or Vicki Brees Iverson in the Senate are interested. Yet, as they note in their newsletter, many Republicans continue to send out their newsletter touting their commitment to gun rights. When given the opportunity to stand up, the Republican leaders sit down one more times. Given the bills, they write, that some Republicans are sponsoring that they claim are pro-gun but have neither read nor understand them, it's more painfully clear every day that relying on Republican legislators will be a massive disappointment. For now, it's up to us. And it is. That's truly sad that the Republican caucuses won't join in on complaining against Judge Egan. Some other things that are out there, by the way, the right to pump your own gas bill is up for a vote on the House. House Bill 2426, makes self-service gas the law in Oregon. It's up for a vote, folks. And it's an interesting piece they're saying, yes, let's vote for it. Let's have self-service gas. And they give their reasons why. You know, the time I was in the legislature, my wife and my mother told me that I would be in deep trouble if I ever voted for it. And every time it came up, I voted against it because they told me I had to. See, I could be a dutiful husband after all. By the way, speaking of Joe Biden's tax increases, there's another Oregon Catalyst story today. And I'll have all of this on the show plan on the podcast page under local podcasts at kslm.news. There's a chart about the tax. If Congress passes Bill Biden's taxes, we will have the second highest income taxes in the nation at 53.5%. Oh, yeah, it's only supposedly for the richest Americans. Hmm think about how would you like to pay over half your income in taxes to the state and federal government back in a moment with george on an interview with former marine and the executive director of latino built in a moment
0: Call Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp.
2: It's
1: 23 minutes before the top of the hour. Welcome back to Political Coffee. Joining us is George Carrillo, who's the executive director of Latino Built... Dot org you can check out their website latinobuilt.org. he is a former Marine combat uh, Marine deployed to Afghanistan uh, former law enforcement and a sheriff's deputy uh, he's a guy who ran for is had an interesting journey of life and we're going to talk with him about that who ran for the Democrat nomination um, for in this last governor's cycle for governor George welcome good morning
3: Hi, good morning, how
1: are you? Fantastic. It's foggy out there. We got a lot of rain yesterday. We needed that as a fifth generation farmer. Happy to see it, happy to see snow in the mountains and now happy to see a little sunshine too. (laughs) So um, share share with us uh, in our audience about your, first off, how you went from being in law enforcement and and a former Marine into politics and how you got into um, your work here with Latino Belt?
3: Yeah, thank you for the question. I think, um, you know, it's interesting how my life has taken so many twists and turns in my career and all because of sort of these tragic events in my life that has, you know, pushed me in a direction to, you know, uh, to get into politics you know, after the Marine Corps, after I was injured, um, you know, I couldn't continue my service and then ended up going and becoming a police officer, which was just off.
1: Oh, did we lose, um, did we lose George? Phil, see if you can call him back if we lost him there. It looks like we did. Nope. There he is. You're back back with us. Okay, good.
3: (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, so where I left off was, I was saying that I was, you know, as a police officer, it was an awesome experience, you know, being in law enforcement. Um, but unfortunately, whenever you're doing something good, there is consequences to, um, you know, that work life balance and decided to, uh, want to spend more time with my children and my wife and, Um, that's actually what kind of pushed me over here to move to Oregon and really just concentrate on family. Um, that's where I actually got into working for the state of Oregon and went into the department of human services, um, worked in management there. And then as the years progressed and we got into COVID, um, really started really concentrating on social determinants of health,
1: which pushed me into. Oh, there he dropped again. So hopefully he'll um we'll reconnect with him. There we go. You're back.
3: Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. I don't um, need it. <laughs> <laughs> but really what you know pushed me into um you know, during the pandemic really pushed me into access to healthcare and that's where I became a senior executive at the Oregon at the Oregon Health Authority and really is what pushed me into politics. I really got tired of seeing how government really overreaches sometimes and doesn't know, and it doesn't understand its role in helping community and helping taxpayers
1: You know, within the state of Oregon. So whatever is occurring with um, Georgia's phone is continuing. Uh, so he'll be back momentarily. I hope there you are. You're back. Okay. All right. Thank you. Continue on quickly. So,
3: yes. And so that's where I really started getting involved into, into politics because I started to see how irresponsible and the lack of accountability that was within our you know executive offices, And so being a senior executive, I said, okay, you know, it's time to do something. I can either just continue to sit here and do what I'm told, or I can actually step out of, you know, this normal parameter of what um, is expected of their executives.
1: Well, darn it, Uh, there it went again. Um, So he'll be back in a moment we'll we'll try to get this finished up and and if if not we'll um, we'll hold him over because uh, actually we're getting questions from audience which we appreciate very much and hopefully he can get back uh, with us here in a in a moment and we'll um we'll have that one of the th- things that we appreciate about uh george is your there. call
3: has been forwarded to an oh. automated voice messaging system
1: so, so now we're getting his, all right. Okay. Um, Phil, we, we may just have to, uh, are, are you back, George?
3: Yes, I'm back. I don't understand why the call keeps dropping.
1: Do, do you have a, um, um, a, a landline? I don't actually. Okay. Well, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're like me. I don't either. <laughs> All right, well, let's just, let's, let's, all right. So you you ran for um, Democrat nomination for for governor. What what was that like?
3: You know, that was really interesting. I saw for sure, you know, being a lifelong Democrat, that the experience would be much different. And that's really where I started to understand really how politics works, especially when you're running within your own party. And, you know, I was really disappointed and what um, we as Democrats say, what we stand for and what we believe in and how we believe in, you know, equal and equitable opportunities. And really that's-
1: So, uh, George is the executive director of an organization called latinobuilt.org. You can go check it out. George, you're back with us? I am back, I am back. Okay, all right, so- Yes. And
3: so that's, that's where I saw that, you know, the, you know, where the democratic party here really struggles with understanding what it really stands for. And so that journey was very interesting for me, especially as a person of color and what we believe that we say in you know, in the state of Oregon. And so that's why, you know, I pushed forward as hard as I possibly could to send my message and educate people on, you know, really get involved in politics. It's something that we have to be able to participate in. And it's one of the things-
1: So you you represent Latino uh, contractors and businesses uh, and you're down in the Oregon legislature and you're lobbying there. Obviously uh, people of your party control both chambers and the governor's office. How receptive are they to the needs of Latino businesses from a business perspective?
3: You know, I think that that is a challenge, um, you know, within our within our government. I think because we have been the supermajority for a long time, they have a hard time admitting to the things that they have done wrong because they are still ruled and controlled by special interests. And so, um, of course, they want to say all of these wonderful things that, you know, they're here for the BIPOC community and they believe in equity and diversity and inclusion, but yet as a party,
1: So one of the things I, I want to, um, you're, you're back, back with us. Go ahead. Yes.
3: So like I was saying they you know, they continue to struggle with, you know, their sort of catchphrase and you know, what they are trying to accomplish. So it has been one that is still an uphill battle and still trying to educate them on, you know, where the government continues to fail the Latino community.
1: So um, one of those things manifests itself in, in, a, in a bill you and I talked about previously called Senate Bill 850. And this is brought forward by the trade unions, number of them, um, and you guys oppose it? Is, is your organization opposes it?
3: Yes, because you know the unions where they do not understand how to service Latinos, and that is in the fact that they don't have a very welcoming environment. You know, they're a special interest group. And what they're looking at, of course, is to maximize their membership. And in a PLA, you know, for the Senate Bill 850, we can be working on projects and we're going to be putting money into a retirement system
1: that. George will be back in a moment. You can check out Senate Bill 850 if you go to the legislature's website. George, you're back. Continue talking about that?
3: Yes, and so it doesn't necessarily benefit Latinos. It's really benefiting the special interests of the unions. And where unions have really failed us is I want everybody to do their research on this because this is not just a, um, a Latino issue. This is an issue across the state. You know, um, pre-apprenticeship and apprenticeship programs have a very low graduation rate, and those are typically run by the unions. You have a 30% graduation rate.
1: He's right about that, by the way. Um, the unions run those apprenticeship programs, and it is stunning that they don't. Hey, George, hang on through the break here in two minutes, and, and we'll get you back on the other side because I want you to complete that thought. And then I, we've got a great question from one of our listeners for you, and I want to get that to you. In, back in a moment, George Carrillo, latinobuilt.org. It is 648.
0: We're on a commercial break here. Okay. Call Jeff now at 503-589-1220. That's 503-589-1220. Let's return now to more of Political Coffee with Jeff Krupp.
1: It's 10 minutes till the top of the hour. We'll uh, be back with George Carrillo in a moment of Latinobuilt.org. First, I got to remind you, you know, it's is 29 degrees out there and it's kind of cold. And if your heating system isn't keeping up and you're miserable or just not comfortable in your home or your business, you should call Freedom Heating and Air. freedomheatingandair.net is their website. You can learn about all the great services, the things they can do for you that benefit you. But most importantly, their emergency services are second to none. And you can call them right away and they'll get out to your place and they'll get it fixed. 503-580-1456. 580-1456. We're back with George, and I think we've got our, our problem fixed. George, by the way, I gotta tell you how much Phil and I just laughed and love your message on your cell phone with your kids. That's hilarious. <laughs> Thank you. All right, all right. So um so this bill. Senate Bill 850 that you guys as an organization oppose as a Latino trade association, you oppose this thing, even though the local uh, iron workers and the operating engineers and the painters and the allied trades, they all are requesting this thing because it puts your Latino businesses at a disadvantage.
3: That's right. And I think that's where, when we look at like this PLA and we look at, you know, Senate bill, a 50, you know, the requirement to participate in, in the union is really not benefiting Latinos because we can be on a project we're going to be paying into the retirement system, but yet we're not getting any sort of benefit out of it. And that's where in the trades it's very difficult for people of color to be part of that union unions right now are not doing a very good job of educating and actually being inclusive of others. Uh, when we look at their graduation rates, you know, they're hovering in the low 30% graduation rate and that's just across the board. It doesn't matter what your color, your race is. you know, they do not have a system just like our education system here in Oregon. It really is failing the students that are trying to participate and trying to actually accomplish the things that they want to in the trades. And that is a serious issue for us. And they need to do a better job of those graduation rates. They need to do a better job of having people of color onto their leadership. And they really shouldn't be rewarded um, for not being inclusive and not having better graduation rates. And I think this is where government needs to understand where do they step in. They don't need to step in. Government is not here to step in to mandate that we are all part of the union that everything that we're doing and working for is contributing to unions. Unions aren't there yet. It is not what's in the best interest of our community. And we represent the supermajority of that community in construction. And so instead of silencing our voices, they're trying to pass legislation that does not work for our community.
1: So one last question for you, uh, George, and and I appreciate that. uh, explanation by the way folks you want to check out their website it's latinobilt.org it's all one word latinobilt.org so i have a question for you from a a state employee who shall never be named and he asked this what should be done to win latino voters to vote republican
3: that's a really good question and i think this is where i think it's not just Republicans, but also Democrats is that we struggle to engage, uh, the Latino community. We typically do not participate when it comes to elections. And that's because we have a long history from the countries that we come from where we cannot trust our own government. And I think when Republicans specifically think about the Latino community, um, Republicans shy away from some of the difficult conversations, especially when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, my biggest piece of advice for Republicans is stop shying away from those things. Actually own some of those things because the democratic party, they have taken control over what DEI is, but they're no better than anybody else to be quite honest with you. And the other piece of it to understand is that most Latinos are conservative. You just yes, have to get
1: are. them to show up to vote. Right. Right. and you have to appeal to their conservative principles and ideals uh, at at the most basic level. And and this is, you know, this is one of the things that Republicans struggle with. And and it is, you know, the Republican Party's got to figure out how to communicate those same conservative ideals that we have into the Latino community. And frankly, they they just aren't doing it. George, um, unfortunately, we're at the end of our time. I just wanna say thank you for coming on with us. It's a pleasure to get to meet you. And if you are around Salem on Thursdays, go across the street to the Ike Box Coffee House into the Bay Room, and you are more than welcome to join us. Uh, I lead a training uh, group there where we train grassroots activists. Wish you the best.
3: thank you so much and you know the last thing i will say to all of your listeners is one thing is to understand you know the latino community it's not so much that we are conservative we're liberal is that we believe in family and i don't think that that falls under a political line and so um you know please continue to engage us you know we are part of the community and we want to work with all regardless of political affiliation so thank you so much and Wonderful to have uh, have uh, be having this conversation on your show.
1: It is, and we'll do it again, George. George Carillo, his organization is LatinoBuilt.org. Thanks, George. Have a marvelous day. Take care of that great family of yours. Let's go to uh, Ron, who's on uh, the phone. Ron, thanks for hanging on. Uh, your thoughts, Ronnie? Go. You got about a minute and a half.
2: Okay. Okay. Make a long story short. He's right on the money. This is the stuff that. Republicans, whether grassroots in the various counties to the ORP, we got to start reaching out. This is where you ask the questions like I've been doing and others, is family, parental rights, law and order. And I'm sad to say that we do have in Salem, we have MS-13, young MS-13 people from Guatemala El Salvador. I watched them beat up on a few Hispanic Americans. that's uh, north of their area, outside of a business in Salem, as families go to, and it's sickening. And law enforcement's hands tied by Bynum's, by Senator Mannings and Senator Frederick's bills based on equity. I'm not no damn piece of property. I'm an American. I'm an Oregonian, and these policies, just like what George says. Doesn't matter which party. If you reach out with the right issues and answers, you'll be right. And I'm very sad to say Canope and Iverson is brought off like a cat like a pile of cat pies made in a fecal box. And I'm be honest with you. They we because they're in Central Oregon, they think they're in a red, secure or purple area, they need to serve the whole body as a party. And stop thinking because you're in the seats like the Sanhedrin that you are our bosses and you're just gonna yield instead of like what Pastor uh, Bullock says the movement starts no matter what color, what you got, earrings, tattoos. If the Lord wants to get you and you receive it and follow the light, you shall be victorious. That's my message.
1: Thank you, Ronnie. Appreciate you hanging God on. Bless Folks, you. I thank all mm-hmm. of you for listening uh, to us today. Uh, sorry about the, uh, kind of the breakup in the interview there. Uh, at any rate, uh, if you want to listen to it again, uh, you're more than welcome to go to kslm.news click on local podcast click on today's political coffee show and you'll see all the stories that i've mentioned today including the self-service gas one we'll have to talk to her about that tomorrow see you then